Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Donna Anderson, author of Senior Sociopaths, How to Recognize and Escape Lifelong Abusers. The myth that sociopaths burn out as they age has been busted. According to Donna Anderson, an expert in the field of senior sociopath, and someone with her own personal story of surviving marriage to a senior sociopath, these abusers remain as bad or worse after age 50. She surveyed 2,377 readers of her website, lovefraud.com, and 91% reported that this conventional wisdom of aging out shared by many psychologists is just not true. She discusses how to spot sociopathic romantic partners, parents, family members, friends, and work colleagues over the age of 50. More importantly, she shows you how to deal with them and recover from their abuse. She's appeared on Investigation, Discovery TV, ABC News, 2020, and many more. Welcome to the show, Donna. Nice to have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm so pleased to be here. Well, my experience as a social worker is that sociopaths over 50 seem to get worse. They've had more experience in doing what they do. (laughs) They get better at it, not worse. Yeah. Well, my survey respondents would agree with you on that because that is exactly what we found out through our research. It's pretty scary. Let's just tell everybody what what a sociopath is or define one. Okay. Well, um, on my website, lovefraud.com, I use the term sociopath as an umbrella term for other clinical diagnoses because, as you're aware, the word sociopath is no longer an official diagnosis, but when it was coined, the term meant anything related to pathological social relationships. And uh, there's a lot of confusion now, and I think that part of the confusion is due to the confusion among the terminology. Um, So anyhow, I use the word sociopath as a term to cover both antisocial, narcissistic, borderline histrionic personality disorders, which are the uh, cluster B uh, disorders, as is said in the APA DSM-5, which is the American Psychiatric Association Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Of course, that's the Bible for therapists um, and also psychopaths. And the reason that I want to talk about them all at once is because what these folks have in common is that they are exploiters. Uh, They are manipulators, they are exploiters, and they often do not have the ability to love. And a lot of folks kind of get hung up on differentiating, you know, which type of disordered person you're dealing with. And the point that I want to make is that they're all dangerous to our health, our, our well-being, our spiritual health, our money, our finances, and we just need to know that they exist and that they're out there. Donna, one of the things, though, about these sociopaths, as you're describing them, um, is that they can be very engaging and they can be very appealing. And initially, let's talk about, let's say, marrying one or, or dating one or uh, you can, you can, it's very easy to, to sort of get connected to them. And can we give some examples about how that happens and how that kind of a, per, I'm calling it a personality disorder, which is not exactly, it's part of it is true. Um, how they in, engage 
well, let's talk about relationships. Um, how do they do that? How do they suck people in? Well, I can tell you that from personal experience. Okay, go <laughs> because, ahead. Let's hear your story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I married a sociopath. Uh, this man took $227,000 from me. He cheated with at least six different women during our two-and-a-half-year relationship. He had a child with one of those women, and then 10 days after I left him, not 10 days after we had a divorce, but 10 days after I left him, he married the mother of the child, which turned out to be the second time that he committed bigamy. So... Uh, at the time, uh, I w- my head was spinning when I started to really figure out what was going on with this person, and that's how I got into this. I was seeing a therapist and talking about this outrageous behavior that he was engaging in, and she said, he sounds like a sociopath. And I'm like, what's that? You know. And so that's when I started looking into it. And Yeah, I mean, when I first met this man, he was magnetic, he was, uh, he just never missed a beat, he always had something to say, he told me that he was an entrepreneur, and that he had been in the Australian Special Forces during Vietnam, and was a, a war hero, and he had come to my town, which is Atlantic City, New Jersey, to open up this electronic theme park, and it was all very exciting, and it wasn't true. Uh, he, the guy never served in the military, even though he walked around with a, a, a Special Forces beret on every time he walked my dog, um, that was all fabricated. And essentially, he came to Atlantic City with all these grandiose ideas, um, very convincing. I was not the only person that he convinced. He was uh, talking to a lot of business people, and a lot of people were supporting him, and it all seemed very exciting but essentially, he was just a con man. So what could you have done or what should one do taking, uh, you know, learning lessons from you so that we don't get into that kind of a situation? Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, this happened back in 1996 uh, was when I met him. And this was, you know, just in the very beginning of Internet dating. And so there wasn't a lot of information out there at the time. Um, luckily, there is a lot of information out there now. Uh, I launched my website, lovefraud.com, in 2005. And since then, you know, plenty of people are talking about sociopaths, although now they're usually using the word narcissist, although I suspect that a lot of the folks they're talking about are probably uh, have antisocial personality disorder, but it's just too scary because everybody thinks it's a serial killer (laughs) and they're not necessarily serial killers. Um, So anyhow, the key, and this is actually the hardest part, the key is to know that they exist. And I can't tell you how many people I have spoken to, you know, people, uh, tell me their stories, and, and they send me emails, and they say over and over again that I never knew people like this existed. And they do, and there's millions of them. I mean, if you look at the uh, research on, on how many there may be, it ranges from perhaps 5.5% of the population have a cluster B personality disorder to 17.5% of the population. And nobody really knows because it's, it's really hard to gauge. But if you take a midpoint of 12%, that means there's 31 million adult sociopaths in the United States. So we need to know that they're out there. We need to know they're out there. Uh, admit that they 
are out there and then perhaps admit that they are in our lives as well. It could be not just a, a, a love partner. It could be, uh, it could be a, could be anyone, I guess, anyone we, uh, it could be our boss. It could, I mean, as you describe in the book, but do you th- think that they, um, go after people who they think are vulnerable? Was there anything particular about you? I'm assuming, let's say your background, um, you were you, you know, relatively normally well-adjusted or do these um, sociopaths go after people they think that they can, you know, get in their clutches and, and, and control in the way that they do? Well, there's like a dual answer to that question. Uh, first of all, sociopaths do target vulnerabilities. I mean, that's exactly how they hook their, their targets. But the thing is, everybody has vulnerabilities. Uh, if, if we want something, that's a vulnerability. Now, um, I mean, I was a professional. I was running my own business. I was successful. I was making money. Uh, I had a lot of friends. I, I was single, and being single is definitely a vulnerability. So um, that's what he did. He, he found me. I, I was someone who wanted to be uh, wanted a romantic partner. I wanted to get married, and, and that's what he targeted. That doesn't necessarily mean I had low self-esteem because I did not. In fact, uh, one of my colleagues has done research on women who get targeted by psychopaths, which is one of the varieties that we're talking about. And she found that there are three risk factors, and they are, the first one is extroversion, in that you're you're somebody who likes people, likes excitement, likes to do a lot of things. The the second um, risk factor is cooperativeness, in that you're willing to work along with other people. And the third risk factor is investment in relationships, in that relationships are important to you. So... Most of the people that I talk to are educated professionals. I mean, certainly folks who um, have, I guess you could say, a, a lower station in life also get targeted. But anybody who has anything that a sociopath wants can be targeted. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I, I'm glad I asked you that question because we often think of, oh, that uh, the person was desperate and that's why they got involved with somebody who is a sociopath, which is not true. We all have our vulnerabilities and they're good at picking out what that particular vulnerability is, as that's what I hear you saying. Uh, and and they, they are able to do that and do it well. Another thing, um, when you uh, mentioned those three characteristics of people who get targeted it kind of brings us into if the book, uh, the title of the book, if you're still with this person who's, who's over 50 and they're still doing what they do, maybe a person who connects with these people ha- is actually quite strong because they can stay, they, they keep on going, they stay with this person, they are, you know, they don't fall apart. Uh, and so they continue on with this kind of a relationship, even into middle or o- older age. That's exactly what happens. You know, especially women who feel like they can hold it all together, um, that you know, they're, they're going to solve the problem, they're going to offer this person the type of love, and that you know, sooner or later he's gonna, he or she, uh, because there are both male and female sociopaths, uh, this person is going to come around, and, and they're willing to keep at it and keep trying. And so that's why this book, I think, is so important, because... 
people need to understand that once a sociopath is an adult, the chances of them um, rehabilitating themselves or actually learning how to love are practically zero, and people are wasting their lives. You know, you, you know, you keep thinking that you know when we get older, he's going to calm down or she's going to mellow out or it's going to be better and it's and it's going to be finally calm. It's not going to happen, and folks need to understand that so that they can make a rational decision about what to do for the rest of their lives. Let's talk about that once they understand that it's not going to change, it's not going to get better. How do they extricate themselves from those kinds of relationships? Well, it does depend on the type of relationship. Um, If we're talking about marriages, um, some folks do figure out how to get out and it depends on the length, it depends on the kids, it depends on you know, how intertwined their finances are. Typically, if someone decides that they want to end the involvement, um, first, the first thing not to do is tell the other person. <laughs> I mean, because you have to think very carefully about how you're going to get out of a situation like this. Um, You need to plan. Uh, You need to gather up your financial documents because if you tell the person that you're leaving, that stuff has a tendency to disappear. And you you just need to be really careful about how you do it because often what happens is that once the sociopath understands that finally they're losing control over you, and, and that's what it always is for them, it's all about the power and control, once they understand that they're losing their grip, they can escalate. They can make things worse. They can really, in some cases, they become violent when they hadn't been violent in the past or at least not violent towards the person. So you really do need to plan carefully about how to do it. Now, also, in my book, um, surprisingly enough, there were many, many people who realized after many years that the person was a sociopath and they'd been married, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, I had a guy who was married 50 years who was finally deciding to get a divorce. And in some cases, the situation is so intertwined and, you know, they've got family, they've got retirements, they have all this stuff that they actually make the decision that the less bad thing to do is to stay. And in those cases, what happens is they figure out how to go on living their life, kind of coexisting with this person without actually making the break and getting out. So, in other words, you might just have to learn to mitigate all the stuff, bad stuff that's happening to you and stay with that person. Um, in the end, I wonder how that does work out. I mean, you have lots of examples and of uh, case histories or, or people, um, you know, how they've ha- handled their, I'm calling them abusers. Um, but um, that's pretty scary then to think that you, you know, if you're in an abusive situation like that, that you can't, that you, the best choice is not to leave. Well, it depends on the type of abuse. Okay. I mean, if if you are being physically abused, I mean, definitely you you do not want to stay. But not all sociopaths are physical abusers. I mean, sometimes they're just kind of parasites, you know, and and they kind of just sit there and, and don't engage. I mean, that's one of the things that we found through the research is that folks who um, 
described how the relationship changed after uh, the person was age 50. In some cases, they just withdrew or they became cold and distant or um, they just kept lying and manipulating. But, you know, they didn't want to rock the boat either to, you know, lose their house or, or whatever. So it's just uncomfortable. So, you know, it, it, that's in, in those cases, some folks decide, you know, well, this isn't the type of relationship that I always wanted and hoped for, but I can tolerate it and live my own life and, and just kind of ignore the person. So it, it, everybody's situation is different, and the key is to be able to figure out what you're dealing with and understand that they don't change and then make a rational decision about what's best for you as far as moving forward. So identify the problem, identify the relationship for what it is. We've been primarily kind of talking about relationships between uh, partners, um, romantic partners. What about parents? What if a child realizes that one of her parents or his parents is a sociopath? What do they do? How do they handle it? I have a whole chapter related to parents. And, um, again, it depends on the age of the person. Um, when they're a young child, of course, there isn't a whole lot you can do. Um, hopefully, the other parent is doing the best to protect them uh, you know, from the disordered parent. But I have many, many cases of people who realize as adults that their parents were disordered, and the uh, the disordered adult, the parent, is still trying to manipulate them. And in many cases, lots and lots of pa- folks have decided that they have to have no contact with their parent, that they it's just, you know, too painful. And then, you know, hopefully they can figure out a way to rebuild themselves because having a disordered parent is highly, highly damaging uh, to the person and, you know, it, it can require a lot of therapy and a lot of devotion to your emotional recovery in order to recover from that situation. Yeah, I think you also mentioned that at that point you may have children of your own and then they're also as grandparents influencing or taking part in your children's lives and, and the whole thing snowballs. So it's the impact. And lots of folks, once they realize that their parents are disordered, they do not allow them to see their kids. I I hear about that quite a bit. Now, in the friends is obviously another relationship. Uh, If it's a colleague or a boss, uh, that's a little more or can be a little more distant. Right. So could we let's talk about that. Or I'm saying it could be easier to. Uh, in that kind of a relationship. Of course, if you're making a lot of money and you're supporting your family, and I mean, there are other, uh, obviously, there are a lot of other things that would impact your decision, but let's talk about colleagues, people at work, or, or your boss. Working with a sociopath is always going to be difficult. In all honesty, again, the best thing someone can probably do is figure out how to get a new job because, um, I mean, you know, and there's a lot of considerations there. You've been in the company for a long time. You, you have um, 401K or, or things like that. So it, it's a very difficult situation. But a sociopathic boss will stab you in the back, you know, will we'll set you up to be the fall guy if anything goes bad. Uh, sociopathic colleagues will do the same thing. So you know, these, these folks are... 
it's never a good idea to have your livelihood beholden to somebody who essentially has no conscience. So I would recommend that if possible, you figure out a way to transfer or, or get a new job. Um, if you can't do that, then you have to always be on red alert and always be, you know, covering yourself as far as having proof of your decisions and um, being able to make a good decision and, and have everything in writing. And, and you know, sometimes you, you may have to go to HR or something if, if depending on the situations. So, so it can be very, very difficult to be working with the sociopath. And as far as other colleagues are concerned, like friends or neighbors or acquaintances, what's interesting is that um, it is definitely easier to break off that type of involvement. But one of the things that was striking is that it's amazing how folks who are tormenting their neighbors are doing it for, like, no reason at all. You know, there's nothing they can gain. You know, they, they can't get any money out of this person. They're not having a relationship. So they're just tormenting somebody essentially to entertain themselves. And it's, it's amazing that they do that. And then it's also amazing that how hurtful it is to the person who, who thought that they were friends. I mean, it, it's just it, it's shocking to know that they're, the sociopaths are engaging this behavior for no particular reason. Mm. And you really have to be able to stand back and set some boundaries and take a look at it and say, what are they getting out of this, you know, and why are they doing this? You know, having and obviously by reading your book, it would be easier to recognize these kinds of situations. I'm looking, you know, the cover of your book, you know, senior sociopaths, uh, they look pretty you know, good looking, nice people. It's not like they look like they're a sociopath. And I, we're always kind of, I think sometimes we get uh, fooled by the way people look, not just by the way they act, but the way they look and the way they present themselves. And um, particularly these people over 50. And you can hide behind some of, of your your looks, the way you dress, um, and the the way you maintain yourself. Well, that's true, and folks seem to have an idea that's been pretty much generated by the media that sociopaths are all either serial killers or criminals, and they're hanging out on the corner doing drugs or, or something like that, and it's important to recognize that they can be absolutely anywhere in, in any walk of life. In fact, um, I don't think any demographic group at all, whether it's national or race or religion or language or, or anything, is exempt from having its share of sociopaths in, involved. So we need to understand that essentially that they exist and that we should educate ourselves, ourselves about the warning signs. Um, I, I have another book, which is called Red Flags of Love Fraud, Ten Signs You're Dating a Sociopath. And in that one, I go through what the warning signs are for romantic relationships. But it's interesting that sociopaths kind of use the same strategies regardless of the relationship. Like, for example, a big one is love bombing. Uh, they shower people with affection. And even if it's like a work situation, they're always flattering the boss or something like that. So they use the same strategies, just change it depending on the type of relationship. Yeah. Consistent behavior. We only have a minute left. So give us a website and or websites we can go to. Uh, Lovefraud.com, obviously, uh, to get more information about you in the book. 
Well, that's the place, lovefraud.com. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've got lots of information there. We have webinars. We have information about the book. There's like 4,000 articles. So anybody who wants to educate themselves about sociopaths can find tons of information at lovefraud.com. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Donna Anderson, Senior Sociopaths, How to Recognize and Escape Lifelong Abusers. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 